Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. This is Fallon. Hello. And we've been talking about spontaneous obedience and moral adventure. And really, moral adventure is about getting stuck. That's the simplest way to say it. It, It's about getting stuck. And so today, we're going to talk about the escape from moral adventure, which is spontaneous obedience. And really, I think when people hear obedience, they can get a little bit skeptical. Because you might say, well, I'm not obedient to anything and I don't want to be obedient to anything. You know, I'm free. Yeah, you might kind of cringe when you hear the word, you know, like, I make my own decisions. I'm not obedient to anything. And I want to explore that a little bit today. And we're going to do it, first of all, I think, with a, a bit of an illustration. And we'll see, actually, if it's possible to not be obedient to anything. And maybe we'll talk about that some. So Sounds good. The, the example I want to explore, and I'd like for you to read it if you don't mind, is okay. from a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And so with that, take it away. Okay. So he says, I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one Sunday morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth throwing things even grabbing people's papers it was very disturbing and yet the man sitting next to me did nothing it was difficult not to feel irritated i could not believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it taking no responsibility at all it was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too so finally with what i felt was unusual patience and restraint i turned to him and said sir Your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Yeah, wow. He says in that story that he felt unusual patience and restraint. And when I read that, I feel the same way. I I think I would have been in a much different state. You know, at least I would have been angry. Even if I wouldn't have said anything or, you know, been mad, I would have been angry for sure. But I mean, even maybe just, hey, you know, get your kids in order. Can't you see what's happening here? Yeah. Have said it maybe a little less gently. Yeah, less charitable. Yeah. And I think the point I want to make here is when you react to a situation like that, and we have lots of different situations like this, I think one that comes to mind also that's very common is, you know, road rage, like someone cuts you off or oh, something. yeah, true. So these situations happen all the time where you're you're faced with a situation and you have to react in some way or respond in some way. And the the point here is, how are you responding? So are you responding because, you know, are you responding using just what you can see and what you feel at that time? And I think that's what's typical, right? You feel very angry. You feel like someone's wronging you and you have the available context, which is man's ignoring his kids and he should get them under control. And so the point here is you are actually being obedient to something. So you might say, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that I could have tried to act differently here, but 
that's still better than being obedient to something. And the point is you are being obedient to something even in this situation. You just are being obedient to your feelings and to the available context that you have. Yes. So you're actually not avoiding being obedient. You are being obedient to something. So when we have these situations in our life, how can we orient? And I think we have lots of options. And so, you you know, you could be spouse-oriented or money-oriented, work-oriented, church-oriented, others, other ideas. And I know you're going to go through some options. But before you do, we're using some words here. How are we oriented? How are we centered? How are we foundations? So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. In this book that Mark, you referenced, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about being family-centered, work-centered, spouse-centered. And uh, we are kind of using the term what we're obedient to or what is our foundation. And so we'll kind of use those things interchangeably. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's all. Yeah, and it, yeah. the book example uses centered. So when you give these examples, you're going to use that language. And yes. I think centered's pretty good because we know what it means to be self-centered. That's a very easy one to kind of understand. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you want to jump in some of those examples? Sure. So uh, one example I'll give is just of being spouse-centered. So... Uh, actually, in the Bible study we're doing right now on the mingling of souls by Matt Chandler, he had a good example in there. He didn't call it that necessarily, but uh, it it was being spouse centered. And so, if if you are finding that your own feelings and emotions kind of wax and wane based on the emotions and feelings of your spouse, um, it, almost like your mood isn't your own, it, it, that could be an indicator that you're spouse centered. And uh, you know, just talking about that, I'm thinking, who wants that? You know, but so often I feel like myself included has that, we have that tendency to be spouse centered. Um, you know, so imagine with me just for a moment that you had a great day today. Okay. You're on cloud nine, jamming out to your favorite tunes, just high on life. And then your spouse comes home and he or she is super grumpy and complaining about the terrible day that uh, he or she had. And just, you know, obviously not sharing that cloud nine feeling with you. Um, And so you find that your mood immediately shifts. No longer are you high on life. You are also now grumpy and just complaining and crabby. And so if that's the case, you know, it, it's a a good indicator that you may be spouse centered. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good point because obviously your spouse's mood will affect you, let's say. So you, Mm -hmm. you may not stay, completely on cloud nine because you're going to actually want to help figure out what's wrong yeah. with your spouse or whatever. Yeah. But does it complete, are you completely beholden to your spouse's mood? Right. For example, I think that's the point you're making here. Right. And, and in the seven habits book, it goes on to say, you know, if you find that you are very disappointed to the point of withdrawal or conflict, mm. when your spouse disagrees with you, even um, you may be spouse centered too. So it also talked about that you know, just the disagreements that may happen among spouses, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So good. This is a side note, not really related to this, but I want to tell it anyway. <laughs> In the the Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler, he also says that, which I love, it's just, it's true. He says, no spouse can complete you. So don't look for a spouse to do what only Jesus can. If you are looking for a spouse to complete complete you, you've missed the point of marriage. And you're also probably spouse-centered, I said that, which, um, as we just mentioned, is not a good thing to do. So I just just wanted to throw that out there. No, I think that's good. (laughs) And I think, you know, maybe shout out to some future content where we're going to talk about marriage. So 
about oh, that. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So All that was right. a little okay. hint. Yes. All right, good. So back to these examples of maybe other-centered as well. Okay, yeah, I have uh, just one more I planned on sharing, which is being work-centered. So those who are work-centered, um, this is coming from the Seven Habits book, uh, those who are work-centered define themselves based on their occupational roles. So oftentimes they base their decisions on the needs and expectations of work. They are only comfortable when they're working. Um, and then this this is me speaking now, not the book, but... Uh, I was thinking, you know, if you are asked the question, who are you, and you answer with your job title, so maybe I'm an executive, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a store manager, that you may want to reflect on that a little bit. Is It could be an indicator that you would be work-centered. Not necessarily, right? It just If you answered in that way, I would say, hey, let's, you know, do a little bit of self-reflection. And yeah. even if, if I were to answer, I'm a mom, yeah. right, I would, that's my work right now. So I would even want to reflect on that. Yeah. And I think it, ma- it, I think it matters the context. So I think I like how you said that to reflect a little bit, because obviously if I'm at a conference for work and someone says like, what do sure. you do or sure. who are you, even in that context could be actually that I need to answer what my job is or if people ask you what you do. You know, you usually you say I'm a mom or something. So that could, I think context matters. So it's good to reflect. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. I, I didn't say the question wasn't what do you do? It was who are you? <laughs> yes. Good point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good point. All right. Okay. Good. So, um, you know, there's many other foundations or centers or things we could be obedient to, you know, um, so different things we could choose different things we could choose. Mark mentioned several of them, and uh, I went through a couple of examples, but uh, we're, we're not going to take the time, I don't think, to go into Yeah, there's lots of examples. examples. We mentioned that book. It's a great yeah. place to look if you want further reading. We'll make sure there's a link in the description to this podcast and video. So Yeah. Okay, so the question is, is there a better alternative? I think that's where we'll go next. Yeah, because these sound pretty bad. I agree. <laughs> so what is the alternative? And, you know, I'm a... I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a computer science major, so I always follow technology. So I'm going to actually give an, ex- I'm going to give a quote from Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the founder of Tesla, among other things like SpaceX, et cetera. And he was asked one time about, actually it was about his business and about making decisions for his business. And this is what he had to say. He said, I think it's important to reason from first principles rather than by analogy. The normal way we conduct our lives is we reason by analogy. <clears throat> We're doing this because it's like something else that was done, or it's what other people are doing. It's mentally easier to reason by analogy rather than from first principles. What reasoning from first principles means is you boil down to the most fundamental truths. So we say, what are we sure is true? And then we reason up from there. And I kind of liked how... Mm -hmm. He was talking about that. He was actually talking about it as it relates to how do you make an electric car? But (laughs) his point, I think, was important there, which is what do we know is true? And then we use that to orient our lives. Okay. So, you know, what first principles could we use? And we talked about it a little bit. I think when you talked about those other centers, those were really what we were saying is we're using our spouse as our first principle. We know what's mm-hmm. true is our spouse and their feelings, and therefore we're going to react to that. Or money or work, we use that as the first principles. But they're they're fickle. So yeah, they change. They're definitely changing, which yeah. is not a good thing to reason from because that means 
you're unstable really uh, in each situation. Each situation will be handled differently, mm-hmm. not only from how you'll react because situations are different, but because the thing you chose to be true mm-hmm. could change as well. Yeah. And that's never a good sign if your first principle is changing. Yeah. So we, we have to pick something that is unchanging but still helps us find direction in our lives. And I think just a little bit more on this because I think it's an important topic. It, it's actually pretty hard work to decide this in your own lives. And I think it's worth doing the work. I mean, some people have tried to use something like, well, we should use human flourishing as what is true. And then we can orient our lives toward that. But if you go a little deeper there, you can get a little bit frustrated as well because, well, which humans should flourish? Is it all humans that should flourish? And then you have to answer things like, well, on what time scale are we talking about? Because, well, if humans, if we want humans to flourish in a thousand years, it could mean that suffering now could actually yeah. be useful for a thousand years of human flourishing. So we got to go a little bit deeper. I'm just going to give an example today, and I think maybe we'll hint towards some further examples later, but... One example that I think most know, it comes from the Declaration of Independence, so it's a pretty well-known document. It starts out as, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. And we've used this as a country for a long time as like a first principle for us. But it has, if you think about that, it has some very important implications, so such as, If everyone's created equal, you and I are created equal, but also our friends are created equal, our enemies are created equal, Mm -hmm. it means that you and how I treat you should be no different than how I should treat myself and for my other friends and and even enemies. I shouldn't treat them differently. Mm -hmm. And that tells us something about how we should orient our lives. And so maybe if you start using this to apply to those situations that might come up, those situations where someone cuts you off in your car, Mm -hmm. if you think about they're created equal I don't, they don't have more value than me and I don't have more value than them. So maybe I should think a little bit about how I would want to be treated in that, in that situation. And I know for sure I've made mistakes while driving, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I've cut people off. And I think most of the time I haven't not done that because I just wanted to cut someone off. I think typically it was, might've been a real mistake. Like I was distracted or didn't see them or something. But I would have liked grace in those situations, I know, yeah. even though, you know, maybe you didn't deserve it all the time, but I know I would have liked it. So I think really what this is getting at, this this all men are created equals, is actually getting a little bit toward this concept of love your neighbor as yourself. You yes. know, so Yeah. Which we actually have an episode on that where, and I just wanted, as we were preparing for this episode, um, I was like, oh, shoot. Can we go back and edit our other episode? Because in there, I talk about being others-centered as a way to love your neighbor well. And after preparing for this and just talking about different centers, I'm like, well, I didn't really mean others-centered as in that's my foundation mm-hmm. or what I should be obedient to. And and I mean, I don't talk about it in that way in the episode, but I'm just like, shoot, I wish I had picked a different word for that. You know, because I don't know, center seems stronger than yeah. than what I was trying to convey. So anyway. Well, I think what you were really trying to convey is treat your neighbor as yourself or love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, just yeah. a little aside. Yeah. So good. Thanks for that. And yeah, I think one of the things that we really have to do though is 
you can take, you can look for these first principles. And we gave an example here of one. So kind of love your neighbors yourself, or if you prefer, use the Declaration of Independence, you know, preamble or whatever. The the key here is you need to do the work to find out what your principles are. And even just using that one, Mm -hmm. you might find yourself, I think it's a good start, a great start, in fact, but you need to probably do a little bit more than that. Yeah. Well, and I I think doing the work, it is going to take time and it is going to be difficult. Uh, But I think it's important also because I think you were talking earlier about reacting in Mm. situations. And if you don't have a good foundation or know what you are obedient to, then you are going to be just reacting versus responding. Reacting Mm. is this uncontrolled response, basically, and a response is controlled. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life reacting to situations or people. I want to respond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the key here is so then doing that work to decide what your principles are. So if you want to be principle centered or if that you want that to be your foundation, you got to find out what those are. And you want to find something that's unchanging. Yes, very stable. And directing. And that actually, exactly to your point, then helps you respond versus react because you can use that um, as an example. So I think the key, though, here is even after you do this work, we have to come back to the first question we asked, which is if spontaneous obedience is the escape, can I really even choose to be obedient to nothing? So if if it makes you cringe a little bit to think about being obedient to something, I think the key is you are going to be obedient to something. Mm -hmm. You can be obedient to your feelings, to the context that you have available to you, which Mm -hmm. as we just showed in our first example, it will be incomplete. You're never going to have all the information needed to fully evaluate. Even with the best logical mind, best rational mind, you're not going to have all the details all the time. So find out what those first principles are. Gave a really good example, I think, here of one that, that we know well, which is, all men are created equal, love your neighbor as yourself. I think those are great mm-hmm. first principles. But then do the work to find out what other principles might I want to use. Mm-hmm. So as an example, the love your neighbor as yourself, where might that fall down? Well, maybe you don't love yourself very much right now. Or maybe you're the type of person that likes to stay to themselves. Is that really a first principle that you can rely on for everything then? Or do you need something else? Do you need a first principle that helps you through those types of situations? Mm-hmm. And so if you're the type of person, and we've joked about this, that we can kind of just stay in our house and not get out as much, but you really know that it's important for you to go and love your neighbor, despite about yourself and how you want to be treated. But if you know it's important, you kind of need a principle around, maybe I should love my neighbor and maybe there's something more to it than that. So mm-hmm. In the next episode, we should go into this, I think. Yeah, I agree. So what we'll, yeah, and what we'll do is we'll talk about biblical principles for how to yeah, find those center, those principles that you can use to direct your life, to be obedient to, so that you can respond in situations and not react. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to read uh, from the Bible before we go. Is this a good time to Yeah, I think this would be perfect, that? yeah. Okay. And it's around foundation, I think. It is. So this comes from Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 46 through 49. 
So this is Jesus speaking. It says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So that's, I feel like, what we're talking about. Yeah. We want that firm foundation, which yeah. is something that's stable, unchanging, and directive. And we get that from Scripture.